Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another Hello, and welcome to Season 31, Episode 23 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And beamed in from off-planet, it's Rose. Yay! In today's episode, Forlorn Hope 22 G- talks about GMs pushing or punishing players. Michael asks about elocution, which I am just nailing tonight. Just perfect in every way. Yeah, and practically Sean, perfect in practically every way. perfect in every way. And Sean from New Jersey has a comment about safety tools. If you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show... You may email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send in emails. We have a lot. There are some of you who we love. Like you are like steady, sending in emails all the time. Champions. Yeah, champions, which is amazing. But we also have like, we have a lot of emails from those people. So I'd love to- I mean, Kimmy, I'm right here. You you can just say it to my face. (laughs) I mean, I can because we've beamed you in from outer space. But yeah, if you've just ever thought about sending an email, never done it, then uh, yeah. Send an email. It'd be amazing. And love to know what you'd love to hear about. Announcements tonight. Season 31 is coming to a close. Yes. That's what it is. That's what you said. That's what I heard. This is session 23. And we've decided there will be 25 episodes per season. So we only have two more in this season. And we'll be taking a two-week break after that. Coming back for season 33 on May 5th. So that'll be amazing. Season 33 years. 32. It's a long time for a podcast 32. on the internet. Season 32. I just, I'm going to, hold on. I need a drink. It's season 32, <laughs> The Revenge. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So we're in season 32, 31. It will be 32. I'm just, I'm really tired. It's Friday. All right. So uh, yeah, season Thank thir- goodness se- it's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday. Season if you're not listening start- to this yeah. in the future on a Friday, stop. Save this one for a Friday. Yeah. It'll make a lot more sense. Absolutely. So yeah, so anyway, season 32 will start on May 5th. And uh, my notes here, I've just switched all the numbers around. It was fantastic. I typed it really fast and it was wrong. So yeah, season 32. Amazing. Long time. So good. But yeah, there's a two-week break between this season and next season. Because of that, we do not have an Indie Designer of the Month for April because we only have two episodes in April. And that's not fun. That's not fair to that person. So we'll be starting back in May with our next Indie Designer of the Month. So thank you all so much for supporting those amazing indie designers. They are very excited about the turnout and things that have happened. I think we really missed an opportunity there to get someone who only has like two games. Two games. They're still an indie designer, but they've only got like two things to talk about. Boom. Get them on the show. That's true. But I feel like, I don't know, they need like four episodes of like, because we can talk about the same game multiple times, I think. Like, it's just about getting like the idea of them out there. Okay. You got to say the name at least four times before anyone remember it, remembers yes. it anyways. So. Yeah. You got a whole month to eventually go visit one of their websites. It's good. Yeah. So anyway, season 32 on May 5th. Bum, 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 bum. Um, okay. Mailbag number one. Please someone just read that so I do not have to because I am not I gotcha. good at reading tonight. I can go ahead and take this one. Hello, Happy Jacks. Another email to the pile. I've been trolling the RPG internets looking for topics that could be a good email for you to discuss. I keep seeing a trend, this idea that GMs should quote-unquote punish players when they do something quote-unquote bad. 
It comes in lots of forms, like putting a massively overleveled NPC in as a shopkeeper so that the thief character will get murdered the next time they attempt to shoplift. A classic. Or the goblin nursery, where after a long dungeon of killing goblin warriors and avoiding traps, the party stumbles into a room of goblin babies and children. They now realize the goblins are people, and the party was the bad guys all along. The real um, bad guys am... were the goblins we killed along the way. <laughs> <laughs> the real bad guys are the people we became along the way. <laughs> I am of the opinion that these were think that these things are always a bad idea. They remove player choice, forcing the players into being quote unquote good in games, where generally the first and second solutions to any problem is to kill it with fire. I'm not saying I'm happy to have my players murder hoboing their way through the campaign. It's just I'd rather have players who are playing heroic characters because that is what they want their characters to be, not because I am standing over them with a big club or some morality trap making sure they behave. Now, consequences to their actions is a different thing. If a thief robs a shopkeep, there should and will be guards looking for them. And if those guards meet a bad end, there will be even more and stronger guards and so on. In fact, I try to make most of my long-running games just a string of the likely results of the choices the players made. That's a good choice. Mm -hmm. But I can understand GMs that had some sort of plan for their game, not wanting to deal with the jackassery and just get on with the material that they had prepped. Where do you fall on this? Do you think, quote-unquote, punishing players in-game is ever appropriate? Am I simply too willing to deal with evil characters in evil campaigns? Forlorn Hope 22. Well, I'm going to start right off and say, no, you should punish players all the time. And, mm-hmm. and But like mm-hmm. for super petty reasons. Don't even do it for story reasons. Mm-hmm. Do it because they ate the last slice of pizza. Yeah. Or, or, no, do or, it because they decided they... to play an elf. Yeah. You decided yeah. to play an elf? Yeah. You brought this on yourself. That's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Play an elf, it's on yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we're obviously kidding. Elf minis belong solely on the shelf. <laughs> oh, they, they deserve <laughs> punishment. I don't know. Like, I feel like, I think a lot of times people talk about punishing when really they just mean consequences. Like, I think it's totally okay to, if your players do something kind of douchey, like, okay, like come up with some plausible, like, explanation or something that they've done. I don't know if it's punishing them necessarily as like, okay, well, this is going to be a thing that's here. If you, like, I don't know, it talks about. Well, let's talk about this for a moment. Okay. I'm douchey player. Okay. And every time... We already know this, Nick. Well, yes. I I thought you said this is a hypothetical. (laughs) And every time I go into a city, I rob, you know, a local shopkeep. And whether I get caught or not, then that becomes the focus of what we're doing. So if everyone else is trying to tell a story and they're trying to play a game and I keep derailing it, and no matter if people talk to me or or if there are consequences for my actions later and I just don't care because I'll just roll up another character, I don't give a fuck. Mm then, yeah, if the only language that someone understands is in-game immediate consequences, I don't think it's so bad. Yeah, well, and I think it... See, I don't see that as punishing a player as, okay, you have this habit that, like, okay, eventually, in a real-world quote, I don't know, but in a situation where there's someone who is repeatedly robbing people, like, especially if you're in some sort of fantasy setting where it's like, hey... The main modes of travel are walking and riding a horse or other type of animal or something, or maybe you've got magic portals. I don't know. It depends. But there's a predictable sort of pathway. Like there's a limited space. You're in a single kingdom or something. It's like if you get, you know, if you've robbed enough people, like there might be wanted posters out for you. 
Oh, and that's going to give a bonus to the city guard or whatever, because they know like what you look like now, because a bunch of the shopkeeps you robbed have obviously like unless they murder them all. That, if they're doing that, that's also a thing you need to come up with. Right. But there are logical things that while it may feel like punishment when the player's angry that they can't like steal stuff rather than having to pay or whatever, like like that makes sense. But that's in the email. They're saying that there are consequences for their actions and that they try and make plausible consequences for the actions. Yeah. And that, I agree, is not punishing a player. I think, yeah, but I think like the discourse on the internet, I'm um, sorry, I'm on Twitter too much. I like picture the little horse emoji yeah, with yeah. the disc next I to it. did the same thing. Yeah, the discourse. Terminally online. Yeah, like I think that they interpret that in a lot of ways as punishment because the internet has no nuance whatsoever, <laughs> especially online discussions. Like Only old wants. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I also feel like, like, okay, but maybe a little punishment is necessary. Maybe it's like the teacher in me who's like, nope, I'm sorry. Like, there's natural consequences for so long. And then eventually I'm calling your mom. And then if it gets bad enough, your mom's going to have to come to school and sit with you. And you will never do anything bad again because that's the worst thing that can possibly happen <laughs> to a child. <laughs> but yeah, like, like at some point it's like, okay, if you want your players to knock off doing something, like, yeah, there's punishment in life for a reason. And it doesn't always stop us from doing things like speeding. Sorry, that's my thing. I speed a lot, but not with my kid in the car, but like in my normal life, I tend to wait too long to leave for things. And then I drive too fast. And then I'm just a little late instead of very late. So every once in a while, I get a fairly large speeding ticket. And I just like, okay, this is my punishment. I have deserved this. I don't know. So I, th- I think I think punishment's okay sometimes. So what you're saying sometimes. is... It doesn't always work, but... <laughs> so what you're saying is, if you can afford it, you're not breaking the law. There's just a fine for what you do. Because okay. that's because that's pretty classist, Kimmy. I have it, to say it is. Yes, I, I mean I'm not saying that it's allowed or should be happening, but yes, I can't always afford it. Honestly, <laughs> to be fair, I'm like, ah, oh, to be fair. But yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like blame my ADHD and like just bad time management often and all that stuff. But but yeah, I feel but like back the trick to this. is to not be the fastest person on the road. Yeah, like short, long and short of that is like. Yeah, speed, but don't speed faster than the person in front of you. Otherwise, you're yeah. going to get pulled over. Same. And I have a very boring car because, like, having a very generic color Prius, like, yeah. My, the number of you tickets. You blend in. Yeah. The number of tickets I have from when I had was like in college with my bright blue little, like, Kia color. Like, I got so many tickets then, but now I don't get very many tickets anymore. And honestly, right. compared to most people in LA, I actually don't speed that much. Because, <laughs> yeah, as Rose said, I'm not, I'm not of the fastest. Right. <laughs> well, I like that it's it's the corollary of the bear story. You don't have to run faster than the bear, only faster than your friend. This yeah, is exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go the speed limit. You just don't have to not be the fastest. Exactly. Be the mm. most boring so that they don't like notice you. But that's, that's why I have a gray hatchback. Same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um. So I will counter with, as a GM, are you your player's parent figure or teacher? Because that, in my opinion. There's a lot you could be doing with a conversation rather than throwing something at the table to fix what is a player problem rather than a character problem. Like, I'm not a good person to ask that question because I feel like I'm everybody's mommy and teacher generally. Yeah, yeah. So I think my personal opinion is you got to handle player problems at the player level and handle character problems at the character level. So if someone like... If a character is doing something because like, oh, I designed my character to be a thief and my thief is going to steal. As soon as that person picked a rogue, you should have 
there were going to be constant repercussions for them stealing. Are you sure you want to play a rogue? How are you planning on playing this rogue? Do you want to be kind of a Robin Hood constantly stealing stuff or, you know, like a cut purse where you're, you're constantly trying to get away with it? Or are you going to just be someone who backstabs stuff? Because there's a lot of different ways you can play a rogue character. But if someone goes to play a thief as a GM, you got to expect that they're going to steal things. Yes. And if you have not built into your world enough room for them to not constantly be chased by the guard or stuff like that, like you and the player have different ideas of how the world works. So yeah, it's like if the idea is that, oh, you are playing majority lawful characters that will occasionally do some shady shit and then those will be the times that there are repercussions, that works if that's what you and the players are thinking. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking, oh, you're going to play majority good people who occasionally will do shady shit and the other people are saying, no, I'm playing a role-playing game for the first time and I just want to everything's an option so i want to do everything i want to be the head of the assassins guild the thieves guild the mages guild the companions and go kill a dragon because i'm playing skyrim and you can do all of those (laughs) without conflict like those are different assumptions about how the world works and how your characters fit into the world yeah and that is something that is an issue with the player and not the character yes the character is just acting out what the player's assumptions are yeah, absolutely. So you got to be on the same page there. Yeah, I um, think having all of that, like, agreed with up front. Like, for example, like you're saying, okay, if they make a rogue character, yes, that's a very different situation. If it's like up front, they talk about, okay, this is the type of character I'm going to play. It's a rogue. You're like right off the back. And I like assume there's going to be, there's going to be some shady things happening. Yeah. Um, and- so I think that is something where you're hopefully talking about it ahead of time. You know, that's the type of character they're making. So you're not always having it a got you. And that wouldn't be a punishment situation. Like, you shouldn't punish somebody for the character they made up front and were, like, honest about. Now, if you're Mm -hmm. a warrior or a paladin and you're like, okay, every time I go to a town, I'm going to, like, knock out the the potions master and steal the potions because I don't want us to have to worry about spending gold on that. Like, I feel like that's a little bit of a different situation. What if my god is the god of thievery? And I'm a paladin. Again, like that's the big story at the beginning where you're like, hey, I'm, I, I don't know. Is there a God of Thievery in d and Of course yes. there is. Sure? There's a God of everything. I figured, but like, I don't know. Um, Depends on the setting, but yes, there yeah. is usually a God of Thieves. Yeah. yeah. So you're in Winterdeep and you have a, I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you have, you have a, a paladin to the God of Thievery. It's like, okay, if you make that character up front, we're going to know you're, you steal things. So if you're at like... But see, the thing is you don't tell anyone because that's part of the tenets of the God of Thievery. I'm just playing my character. Right, but you you would tell the GM. You should. I mean... No. Okay, then if you don't tell the GM, then it's up for like, okay, yeah. Thank no, you. I just get butt hurt when they call me on it, and then I show them that this that's my that I was doing it for for the role play reason the whole time. Role play. This is why you don't have secrets <laughs> at the table unless it's like very carefully done. Yeah, the chat room's mad at me for winter deep. <laughs> so... Uh, I love it. I want to have all of those. Mm-hmm. James, you brought up a good thing, which is these are all topics you can talk about in session zero. Yes, that is a good time to have that conversation, but it's not the only time. You can basically kind of when the person says, oh, like we in a previous email, somebody was talking about when you were GMing for like teenagers and kids, there was a character who was like, oh, I'm going to go pee in the corner of the king's courtroom. And like, that is a perfect time to go, okay, you want to do that. And, like, I understand that could be a pretty funny thing to do. 
are you aware that that will probably lead to your character having like their head on the chopping block? Like the king will probably call for them to be executed and you will probably have to fight your way out of this entire thing and abandon what thing you were trying to do in order for all of that to happen. Like, are you aware that that is a likely outcome? And that is a a card you can play as a GM at any time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, have you fully comprehended the consequences of what you've just proposed? Yeah. And that's especially important for new players, young players, people who haven't necessarily thought to treat this role-playing game like it is a real-world situation. Instead, it is your game of Skyrim where you've leveled thievery to 100. So... No, I, I was just commenting on leveling thieving to 100 in Skyrim. Which, pickpock- <laughs> if there was someone out there where you leveled pickpocketing to 100 legit and not by saving and quitting every time you failed, don't talk to me because I'm pretty sure you're a psychopath. Yeah, that's um, wild. Yeah, wild. I've done it once. Mm-hmm. I had the patience to do it once. Yeah. Anyways, I am getting well off course here. <laughs> but What I would say is in a situation like that, and you've let's say you've had the talk with with that person and they keep wanting to do stuff like that. I honestly don't think that a surprise like the retired wizard or the retired fighter who's running the bar goes too far. Because if someone continually disrupts the game and that's the only thing they understand, and whether it's a dominance thing, like I can make you respond to my game by doing these things, you can show them that as the game master, you can crush them with a word. Like, there's no parity of power here. And uh, you shouldn't do that. But I don't think that it's a bad tool, legitimately, to have like, well, the consequence in this case is that they're a retired wizard or that they have contacts with all of the merchants and they've hired a seer to find out where you are and they've hired some badass assassins to come take the potions out of your hide. Yeah, and... I mean, there's a lot of ways to think about it, too. Not necessarily as punishment, but that's a like a repercussion of their actions and natural consequences. Like when a kid runs and you told them not to run and they fall and they skin their knee, like that's the natural consequence. Like you don't have to punish them on top of it. But I think the thing about introducing things like that to the story, it's more than punishing. It facilitates a way for the other players at the table to become involved in that part of the storyline because no longer is that one player just stealing stuff and getting a bunch of stuff while everyone else sits there because they're probably not taking everybody with them when they go and steal stuff. So everyone's sitting around while they like have their scenes by themselves stealing or whatever or passing notes at the table where they're not involved. Where if it becomes something where there is a surprise wizard or you know the retired wizard or something like that, generally that means there's some type of combat or altercation where players might need to come in and help this person whether it's talk the wizard down, whether it's bribe them, whether it's fight them, like whatever the players end up doing, it kind of forces the issue of, okay, everyone else in your party finds out that this is happening. So then it becomes kind of an open game thing where everybody becomes part of the consequences of what's happening and then aware that the character is doing this in the future. So they're like, okay, next time we go to into town, remember we had to fight that guy last time? You have a buddy now. Every time we go into town, you get a buddy. And so Come on, what are the odds that there's two retired mages running a potion <laughs> shop in both these towns? Exactly. So, this one's 100% safe. Yeah. I think this really comes down to, like, if you're the GM and you find yourself in that position where you're like, you know what? Yeah, I need to keep this player from going and mugging every single potion seller in every single city they go into. That might be a good time to talk to the player and be like, hey, what kind of character are you playing? And... 
is that a kind of character I'm okay having at my table? Because again, this is a session zero thing, but it's also something that you can course correct during a campaign or during play. And it's just kind of say like, hey, I'm really interested as a GM in telling a story about characters who are trying to help people rather than constantly just mugging potion sellers. Like, I can understand if you think it's a funny bit, but it really is getting in the way of the kind of campaign I'm trying to run. Can we address this? And if the person says, look, I just really want to play a character that just mugs potion sellers, maybe don't play with that person. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the person who constantly goes and starts a bar fight in every bar they go into or randomly attacks people in a town and stuff like that. The problem isn't with the character and the character needing repercussions. The problem is, is with player behavior. And I think it needs to be addressed by talking to the player and not the character. I would agree in some situations. I've shared a table with someone who's been on this podcast who I will not name, who liked making characters that stole stuff from other players, from other people. And it was one of those things where we like all knew it was happening. Like it wasn't a table secret. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we all talked about it a little bit ahead of time. But it was one of those things where it was part of kind of like what, and it, these were for home games. Like it was never on mm-hmm. stream that they would do this. And it, so it was a person we all knew and trusted that was great on other situations. And they just like, were like, I really like making like roguish type thieves that have a lot of like secrets at the table. And we don't really do that on stream, but I like having secrets at the table for my character in these situations. So mm-hmm. in a situation like that, where it, we like this person, we like playing with this person, it does get annoying sometimes to have to deal with that all the time and have them sneaking mm-hmm. off. I mean, it's hard to balance that out because there are times where, yes, absolutely, there are times where you're just like, I don't want to play a type of game. I don't want to play this person. But there are times also where you live in a small town and it's like, okay, there's <laughs> not calling anybody out, but there's a certain number of people to play with. I don't want to mess with. This is my buddy since high school. I don't want to end a 10, 20, 30, 40 year relationship on this D&D thing. So there, I think I think having in-game consequences can be a way to not curb, like curb rather than like stop behavior. Because if they've been playing this way for that long, it probably will not stop that behavior. But it'll be a, w- a way to like spread the butter a little farther. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's not as like thick in certain spots anymore. And it's, you okay, everyone can deal with this amount of butter on the bread because it's, mm-hmm. everybody's involved with the butter now. I, I lost, sorry, that metaphor stopped working. Like when I started thinking about spreading it with everybody and like, mm-hmm. it, but what, you get it. What about butter scraped over too much toast? I know. I'm just, I'm so, <laughs> um, so full of Tolkien and references. It's just like my whole life right now. In your guys' mind, what is the outcome with the, pl- like how is the player expected to handle this? Like when, the, when, when you drop that, retired adventurer level 20 fighter that they just stole from or stuff like that. Like, I don't see anyone taking that well. Like, that just sounds like a petty deus ex machina way to deal with a player problem that you're instead dealing out through a character level. Well, I mean, I'm also assuming like, okay, yes, you're also having conversations. Like, you're doing all these things together. But having Mm in-game consequences for in-game actions is totally Mm -hmm. fine. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. In strong favor of. Yeah. And so this isn't like, again, it's not like, oh, hey, the first time they steal, it's the person they pit pocket is going to be the 20th level wizard or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is like after a pattern of behavior when you can point and be like, hey, this is obviously like a thing that that could happen. 
like if it's like, okay, I don't want them to leave this road. So I'm going to like hide a, like a giant dragon on both sides of the road, no matter where they leave the road. Like it'll be a dragon. Like that's a whole nother thing. It's like, okay, you're going to railroad. Just tell them don't leave the road. But mm-hmm. so I, if a player, like, honestly, I think that's the situation where it's like, okay, if you want to do this behavior and not have any consequences, then that's where I would really kick into, okay, well, I guess oh, yeah. you're maybe not a player who I want to have at my table. Because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's cool if you want to steal, if you've upfront made a thief, if you've done all these things, but there's going to be consequences sometimes. And it's not going to be every single town you get caught by the guards. Guards is the word I'm looking for. It's a very typical mm-hmm. word or whatever it is. But like that becomes part of the story. And if someone wants it to be part of the story, but not to have any problems or consequences with it, then why are they adding it to the story? Because everything that is part of the story should add to the overall narrative that includes everybody in some ways. Well, I think the question here is the difference between punishment and consequences. Exactly. But I don't think there is one. I think that's the, I mean... I don't think of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Punishment is meant to inflict pain. Right, but consequences also do that. Consequences are the natural thing that follows an action. Right, but they also inflict pain. Intent is important here. Consequences don't necessarily mean pain. Consequences mean the thing that makes sense to happen in the story versus a punishment, which is a GM trying to inflict something on a player, which I think is a shitty thing to do. See, I feel like there's like, I think there are cases where things can be both. And I think that that's, I don't know, like, is it, I see, I kind of, from a perspective of like an educator, yes, I see the difference between a natural consequence and a punishment of like students and things like that. But in a game, in some situations, I don't know if the GM's motivation, if the punishment makes sense with the story and is like an like is logical. Like I don't know if it necessarily I, I, I think matters. I think the difference here is when there are consequences to your actions, it's the classic you fucked around, now you get to find out. Yeah. Punishment is just finding out. Punishment is just saying that without for potentially without talking to anybody, without having that conversation about what your player is just dumping this ambush on them, which is a very confrontational way to play. And I don't think Mm -hmm. most of us are into that style of play. Again, because I mentioned there's a power imbalance. I can just keep pulling ancient black dragons out of my ass until you're dead (laughs) on there. So... I agree, but, like, why would you punish, like, continuing with the fuck around and find out? Like, why are they going to find out if they haven't been fucking around? Like, why would the GM That's why it's punishment. Well, well, and and I think there's a very different thing because consequences follow just any kind of action. A punishment is something where you are, you punish something, you punish bad behavior. And if a player is having bad behavior at the table, it's the behavior that's the problem. It's not that there's no consequences. It's that someone is doing either something selfish, something hurtful, something to take fun away from other people. And that is something that needs to be addressed person to person and not on the tabletop. Okay, but then that's the answer to every email anybody will ever send us. <laughs> well, and, like, and that's why I took a contrary point at the beginning. Right, but I, honestly, <laughs> like, I think that it's okay to have these things happen in game. And even if you are a little heated as a GM, if the, I, th- I think also we're arguing like the same thing, but like with semantics, like, like you can be frustrated with a player's choice that it has been talked about and is fine with everybody at the table. Like I've had these situations where as a GM, I'm like, I really, it's so annoying when they do that. And, like, it's not really something where it's, like, worth, like, it's not, like, an adult conversation, like, like, you can talk about it, but it's also just, like, that's the thing that annoys me, and it doesn't annoy anybody else at the table, and it's totally fine, 
So I think there's those moments as a GM where it's like, all right, I'm going to flex a little bit because this is like, especially if you're not going so far, if you're just like murdering their characters, like I wouldn't even say that's punishment. Like that's like just total dick behavior. But I think Mm -hmm. that I think it's okay to like put a hard line in the sand sometimes and be like, okay, like, like I'm okay with the GMs flexing a bit. And it's like, okay, if if you've been fucking around, you will find out because I can't imagine any situation like punishment initially. I mean, maybe it's, just like my training and being a mom and all this stuff. But it's like, if I'm going to punish, it's because there's been fucking around already. Like Mm -hmm. punishment isn't just, I mean, like some people are like, hey, do you want a spanking? But like, you have to earn your spanking first. That that wasn't punishment. You really careful with that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, exactly. The mommy thing has many different layers and yeah, it's fine. But, so you know what I mean? Statement for Happy happy Jacks after dark. Happy Jacks and like. Good Lord, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's the difference to me is like, I can't imagine a GM wanting to punish players if there isn't some fucking around to find out. And you're absolutely right. Like, if it's at to a level of like really like ruining fun and stuff like that, it absolutely needs like the conversation. But I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like, okay, like we all kind of do that with our friends in real life too. Like sometimes where they're like, oh, okay, so and so is going to drink all the the beers that I like. They always do that every time. I'm not going to buy any of those beers this time. They're going to come over and they're not going to have any of those beers. Like, <laughs> I feel like. I don't know. I feel like sometimes you do stuff like that and it's it's okay. It's okay to be a little bit like a little petty in life sometimes. No, nobody else reads Reddit that just I feel better about I themselves. I don't <laughs> agree with that at all. Okay. okay, so so here's the thing. So I have really bad ADHD, but but also because of the way I was brought up, I miss a lot of social cues. Okay. So I am kind of always like about five degrees off from everybody else's perception of reality. Mm-hmm. And so that means that I miss a lot of little things I do that bother other people. Mm -hmm. And none of it is intentional. None of it is with any kind of malice. I just don't know that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And I have had multiple really, really bad experiences where someone comes to me and says, you've been doing this fucking thing for so long and it is driving me insane. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me it the first time I did it that it was a problem? Mm-hmm. Because I none of my intention was to bother anyone or to be a problem or to do any of this stuff. I literally had no idea what I was doing what was an issue. Or sometimes like with like ADHD, like tapping and things like that, mm-hmm. I don't even realize I'm doing it. Right. So like someone taking that time to make the small comment early is very important to me as a person. Yeah. To be like, hey, look, I know you want to play a thief, but if you're going to be stealing something at least every session, like it's going to come up and it's going to be a problem. And I, for the world to make sense, there's got to be some repercussions. Sure. And I can be like, oh, okay. So I can either like only steal for very specific reasons, or I can keep that in mind that, okay, yeah, I am going to get this. There is going to be some sort of come down on my character and I can get excited for that. I can be like, oh, cool. All right, I'm going to have like, some inspector after me or something like that. Like that can then become a fun thing that both of you are on the same page about. Right. Yeah. 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 Rather than like, oh, I'm playing a rogue. I roll to steal something. 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 You get fireballed. I'm a level one rogue. Why? Well, because it's a level 20 wizard you just stole from. I'm like, was there any way for me to tell that there were a level 20 wizard? No, I just put them there because you stealing too much was annoying me. Mm-hmm. And I go, if it was annoying you, why didn't you tell me the first time? Well, yeah, no, I mean, again, like, 
if they're making a rogue up front, you need to be like, hey, there's going to be consequences to you stealing sometimes. Like, again, like this is a, a marriage with other things. And yeah. yeah, so I think there's a lot of levels here, but I think it's okay if people find out after fucking around a little bit in games. Like I, a, I, <laughs> a little bit. It's, I think it is something to be played with lightly. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's also going to be something that like is the flavor of the GM. And part of that is on the players also. Like if you know... If you're a GM who does a certain way, like, and you enjoy playing that way, it's also on the players to know whether or not that's a flavor of GM that they like to play with. So I think there's a match there. Like the GM doesn't always have to change their style and how they enjoy to play if it's also on, on players to be like, hey, you're really old school or railroady or you're way too sandboxy for me. So I don't know. I think it's a bit of a buffet and people have to pick what they like. And if you're with a GM who does some sort of punishment stuff and you don't like it, then maybe that's not the GM for you. In the same way that like, if you are not a punishment GM and you've got a player who is just begging to be punished, then maybe they're not the player for you. So it's kind of like back and forth. I'm not going to go so Sorry, far. Sorry, my mind's going to filthy, filthy places. Don't I, the, mind me. I almost said spanking again and I knew it just throw us all <laughs> off again. <laughs> you, you, we really need to get off that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Or we can just commit and go to Happy Jack tonight right. and have I'm a just, completely yeah. different conversation. It's very committed. <laughs> so. Me thinks Kimmy doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah. I actually, yeah, it's we are not an actual spanking household for my toddler. Mm. So. <laughs> sure, right. For my toddler. Okay, anyway. What other spanking <laughs> happens is nobody's business. Nobody's right. business. <laughs> so I don't know if we want to finish this out, but like yeah. I wouldn't mind, and I would do this to a player like as a prank, mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. as a punishment. Yes. Like, oh, well, so oops. I think, I think though that's t- <laughs> like, again, like I think we're being much more nuanced than anybody ever is on the internet. So I think people would still mm-hmm. call that punishment. Like taking the like Twitter argument, like vibe from it, everything we've talked about, like some people would be calling punishment whether it's a natural consequence or whether it's a prank you've done or whether it's like been way foreshadowed a bunch of times, like, oh, you almost got caught the last two times you were in a city. Oh, it might happen if you're not careful. Oh, oh, it happened. Like, I feel like some people in in these situations, like punishment is kind of a catch-all term without this nuance a lot. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're we're narrowing it down. And I it I'm actually kind of glad we kind of have different vibes on this. I don't know. I just well, so, I, I think that what Rose was saying earlier, though, is that if you have a player who is immature enough to keep doing this, even though it seems like it's a problem, oh yeah, they're going to interpret consequences as punishment. Oh yeah. So where yeah. how, how do argument. you how do you draw that line? How do you make that different? So in my, yeah, in my mind, like the, the the Oxford Dictionary definitions, like punishment is is a consequence for bad behavior, and consequences as a thing their own are just things that happen after other things. Mm -hmm. So if you put in that like high level wizard, just as a like way to keep things interesting, that is not a punishment. That is a a fun consequence or a fun event for your players to deal with versus I am tired of my players doing this and I want them to stop. So I'm going to enact something through the game to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that can get unhealthy quick. Yeah. But I also like what Nick was just saying, like the player, like some players will interpret anything. Like they're not going to take out Mm -hmm. the Oxford Dictionary and be like, this is a consequence and not a punishment. Like, so I feel Mm -hmm. like 
there's going to be times where everything feels like a punishment. Like there's times where I absolutely fuck around with something and then I find out and I'm like, this is a punishment. This is absolutely not fair. But you don't mean that real. You mean that like bad daddy. Daddy did not feed me a hundred years of jail for daddy. No. Wow. Nick, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Bad daddy. (laughs) I I need to... Y'all, I need to take a minute <laughs> if we're going to keep this going. This is deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll stop. We'll stop. All right. We, we have like, the extra. Like, if we want to turn this into just making dirty jokes, I will dirty joke along with you, but I am trying to stay on topic for the, like, by my fingertips. <laughs> so, yeah, and I actually don't know if we need to come to a single answer on this, and we may not, because again, this is something that it varies greatly with GM style. Mm hmm. And like just kind of jam philosophy too. So I don't know if there's a right answer to this. I think Rose was right on point earlier when she was like, hey, this depends on like, is this a good player for my table? Some players are going to be cool with it. If you're that kind of GM who's like, all right, hey, all right, you've been fucking around. You're going to find out. I'm so excited about this. And then your player's like, oh yeah. Oh, we found out. That was great. We've been fucking around for a while. We were wondering when we were going to find out. Or Mm -hmm. there's going to be tables that don't work that way. So I think, I think it's a very table-specific answer. And I think mm-hmm. there is an extreme of punishment where it just doesn't make any fucking sense. And if, if your punishments mm-hmm. like are completely out of the narrative of the story and don't make any sense, like, oh, you stole a thing, a dragon comes down and eats you. Like, mm-hmm. okay, fuck off. That's ridiculous. But <laughs> There's a reason rocks fall and everyone dies is a phrase in, <laughs> in role-playing game parlance. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> So if you're that frustrated, you just want to murder everybody, like, like stop the game. Just don't play anymore. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's shades of gray between, like, always have an adult conversation and be a little petty and enjoy yourself. Well, <laughs> well it, it depends if, like, if those players, <laughs> if, they if the relationship it. between a GM and players is kind of the, like, the players kind of poke the bear and they just kind of wait to see how many pokes it takes before they get hit with something. Right. Like, that is a dynamic. That yeah. is something people can do. You can be a bratty sub, whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Accurate. But that, yeah, okay, I'm going to keep poking until something happens. And then as the GM, your job is to make that thing happen. Yeah, that can be a dynamic. But if it is, this person keeps doing something until I, as a GM, get angry and lash out at them through play, that is a bad, bad dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing. Yeah, like no one at the table should be like angry. Yeah. But like you said, bratty sub can be a thing. And it's like, yes, okay, yes, you've been asking. That was a that was a spank sound for everyone who didn't know what that was. Okay. Um, it did not come through Zoom at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a little clappy, splanky sound. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think we've learned way too much about me tonight. So maybe we should stop. <laughs> we've all learned a little bit about ourselves. I've all learned something to- Something about ourselves through this conversation. And I love mm-hmm. that people are like, like, especially with my one ring campaign right now, it's like so kumbaya and it's just like happy. And everyone's like, wow, Kimmy likes punishment. What? <laughs> Where's that GM been this whole time? All right. Well, I think that's also like everyone's really on the same page when it comes to that game. Yeah, for sure. Like that is not the game for punishment. They Well, that's also yeah. a game where having somebody who's con- going to constantly do something evil just doesn't fit in the game. Yeah. Like the mechanics of that game simply don't allow it. Like, Exactly. At some point, you get up enough, enough shadow points that you just you become ineffective and you really, as a character, can't do anything because it is very explicitly the design of that game to be like this like hopeful fighting against the darkness party. And I think that's why I love systems like that that have such a clear message 
And even though you could very easily reskin the One Ring mechanics to be like generic fantasy anywhere, like I love that there's a design intent for what they want the players to do with the world that they're in. And I think that's sometimes the downfall of more generic systems. And while I sometimes really like the fun little mechanics of generic systems, like there's so much that it leaves up to the GM. Like with this email, it's like, okay, so now it's like on your job, it's your job to be the mommy slash teacher. So you figure out where we're all going. You give us the assignment and all this stuff. And Nick is dying. You like a ruler to smack on against my hand for today. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. Correcting that. Sorry. Oh, I need to leave the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're like, all right, I'm sorry, Kimmy. The show can only get so horny. Please, for the love of God. Sorry. We're the first email and I'm already down one little bottle of white wine. Like, come on. It's been a, such a week. I'm so tired. So, what was I even saying? Oh, so, uh, what a. In a similar vein, when I pitched Under the Rainbow, I explicitly said, I'm looking for heroic characters. Exactly. I don't want people who are going to be jackasses, for lack of a better word. I want characters who are going to stand up, be the heroes that Oz needs, and tell that sort of story. So I was very clear about what I wanted, so I didn't have someone like, I'm going to play a thief, and I'm going to steal the emeralds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole city is made of emeralds, asshole. Good luck. Do you have a forklift? (laughs) Okay. Sorry, I, I made my character forklift certified. <laughs> <laughs> Put three dots in forklifts. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I'm like, uh, I wonder if Oz has OSHA. No, they don't. They have, wizard, <laughs> they have wizards that, they, that handle all of They that. have OSHA. <laughs> it's right there. It's people. right there. Really. Um, I'm, wait, isn't that the people who greet them as soon as they enter Oz in the movie? What is that called? Oh, the, the Lollipop Guild? Lollipop Guild. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, it's a lolly, Lollipop, Lollipop Guild dues pay for, for Oz's OSHA. Right. OSHA. OSHA. Okay. We are going to write you up for the Lollipop. <laughs> Here is your prepare ticket. I don't know what they do. Okay, I don't know. Sorry. That was going to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are off un- the rails. Unlicensed, unlicensed operation of a flying yeah. house. <laughs> Endangerment of public you got, citizens. You got a Just, license for that axe? Yeah. You're going to? Destruction of, of uh, municipal road. roads. <laughs> Theft of <laughs> private property. Do you have a permit? Unlawful oh, ownership of a flying monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all endangered species. Okay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> we are on rare form tonight, we y'all. Are amazing. Okay. <laughs> Email number two. People have either really appreciated this episode or they have fast forwarded or stopped. <laughs> Let me skip forward eight oh, minutes and see. Oh, if is they that have... what they appreciate about us? <laughs> That's what they appreciate about us. Perfect. All right. Come back number two, Nick. Ready to go. Oh, I kind of wanted three because I oh, wanted I to do okay. a voice. Right, you. It's short. Oh, yeah. You can actually, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, benevolent mistress and prime ruler of the community of Happy Jackers, the court and the studio lackeys. I beseech thee to lend thy voice and wisdom to us, the unworthy. While you deserve praise for your cast of varied and distinguished, vo- distinguishable voices, extra praise should be heaped upon you for your skill, your skilled readership and articulation of others' thoughts. Which leads me to this week's question and topic for discussion. Is there some shortcuts to being able to read and articulate so well, other than putting stones in your mouth and talking to the sea? I guess being trained and or professional musicians and actors might help, but what tips do you have for not uh, for those of us not blessed with the ability and boldness to both read text and enunciate it simultaneously? 
I guess practice makes better. But still my question to your court is how we mere mortals may move towards your established eloquence. In my part of the world, joining Socrates on the beach for repetition is mighty cold most of the year. I think this question entails both advice for both articulation and for boldness. And maybe you also have a few tokens of wisdom for us non-native English speakers. Sincerely yours, Michael. Become a school teacher. I don't know where you got that we were articulate. I don't know. (laughs) Who you've been listening to? I think this episode kind of uh, puts paid to that notion. Yeah, we are shattering that illusion. Mm -hmm. Well, we also have an editor, so yeah. Yeah, that helps. That's new, but yeah. So the biggest thing, honestly, yeah, acting helped and singing helped. But honestly, being a teacher and reading books out loud to kids, they would want, especially when I was a preschool teacher and I worked with, like, I had... 15 two-year-olds in a classroom and they wanted the same books every single day. And after a while, your mind starts turning to mashed potatoes when you read The Cat in the Hat for the 50th time in the last week. So you start making voices to make yourself not be entertained. Yeah. So my favorite is reading The Cat in the Hat. Like he's a vaudeville, like announcer. (laughs) Like, okay, wait, I don't know if I can do it right now. Wait, let's see. My daughter loves it too, but it's like, this is thing one and thing two. They will do this for you. It is so... I can't see. Now I'm doing my, my thing. <laughs> but like, if you pick weird voices and read them to kids, they will be more entertained and you will be more entertained. And then the fish, for some reason, in the cat hat is always like English. Your mother. Your mother is out. The cat should not be here. Send him out. And it's, it's like super prissy. And so, I don't know. That's how I got the most practice reading things well is, is to kids. I had to do a lot of reading out loud in elementary school. Yeah. And just got, and some of my most embarrassing moments are due to that as well. But I just learned to be able to do it because you sort of had to at my school. Mm -hmm. In terms of that, I found a a way of reading two words ahead Mm -hmm. from what my voice was saying. So that I could, so that I could know what to say Mm -hmm. as I'm reading the next thing. And you don't get caught in that thinking that a sentence is one way when it's, something else oh wow yeah but i'm a little out of practice on that as you've seen reading emails that's that is so fascinating to me i i get messed up sometimes with the headphones because there's a little bit of an echo so then that like completely messes me up so thinking about looking at two words ahead of what i'm saying like my mind is blown with that but that's the thing is like everyone is a little bit different with this so i think articulation and boldness i think those are two kind of separate things to break apart here Rose, do you have like, because you've been amazing. Like, thank you. Thank you. I know. No. So I actually, so I, surprise, surprise, person who enjoys role playing games, also very introverted. But when I was in middle school, I got enrolled in a public speaking class. And what that kind of taught me is that the trick to articulation is, is kind of to work on your cadence and mm-hmm. kind of the da 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 da. Da, 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 da. It's getting in a rhythm and kind of honestly, I'm not amazing at reading out loud. I've just I've done it enough that I'm semi-comfortable with it. I still get a little bit nervous when I'm reading emails, which is why I usually will tag out for the really, really long ones. Or honestly, the biggest thing that throws me off is typos because I can't yeah. read what's on the page. I cannot correct and speak at the same time. That breaks my brain. Mm-hmm. But for articulation. It's about taking your time. It's about getting in a good cadence. So you're not having to like rush through everything. You're not trying to do everything all in one breath mm-hmm. or stuff like that. And the other part of your question, boldness, like that is, 
that's practice. Like that is getting used to projecting, Mm -hmm. which is a skill. So I have coached a couple different sports as well, which I'm naturally loud. Like I generally, my regular speaking volume ends up being a little bit too loud. So that's not something I've had to worry about. But being heard over a bunch of like seven and eight year olds is not always the easiest thing. So I got a lot of practice at getting louder and speaking up here and really making my voice carry and being heard across long distances and stuff like that. So that is kind of how I got better at it. But there's a lot of like YouTube tutorials. There's courses on this. I knew someone like one of the people who helped me get one of my certifications that I use for my profession did Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. And so like he actually got to a point where he could remove all of his ums and ahs for the most part, which wow. I cannot do. Nope. It is just part of how I speak. Uh, if I tried really hard, I could probably figure it out. But in my opinion, I am better off just not worrying about it and getting more comfortable. And that way I can just be more present rather than strictly controlling the way in which I speak. Yeah. If I concentrate on nothing but removing the glottal stops that we use in order to think about the next thing we're going to say, I can do it, but it takes up a lot of processing power and I can't do anything else at the same time. Yeah. I found that for me, there are some vocal dexterity exercises that you've probably heard the tip of the tongue, the teeth and the lips or rubber baby buggy bumpers is the old one that we used to know or... Uh, Round to- the rocks, the rugged rascals ran. Right. Toy boat, the toy classic. boat, unique New York. There are yeah. a ton of them, but running through those can kind of make your mouth better at being able to form the words that you want it to form and have the inflection that you want to have. Yeah. For me, I actually, when I was a kid, I had a speech impediment. So I had to have speech when I was a kid. I had to go to a speech therapist. Mm-hmm. So that helped a lot because, of, and I, I still say um a lot. But a lot of the things that they teach you in speech therapy are taking your time, thinking about things before you say that. There's a stutter that kind of runs in my family. And I don't have it as much anymore because I went to speech therapy. I also couldn't say K's, which was a problem when your name is Kimmy. And so I was Timmy. Yeah, I was a Timmy for a lot of my childhood, except for the people who actually saw my name written. So eventually, like when I was able to get speech therapy, a lot of it was, okay, think about what you're going to say before you start. Make sure and having the specific, like, and the way you move your tongue and things is like something they're very specific about. They have a lot of different things where like, some of it are very famous with like actors and stuff, but like saying things with a, a spoon in your mouth, like flat on your tongue, like saying things into the mirror and making it so that you can say things clearly while you have a tongue in your, a spoon on your tongue like really actually makes it so you can articulate very well. And it really forces and builds up the muscles that your tongue and the the parts of your different parts of your mouth need to like, to say things correctly. That helps with articulation a lot. There's a lot of smaller things. If there's, if there are specific things about your speech that bother you, slurring certain sounds, things like that, I would definitely encourage you to look it up online because there are specific exercises, just like you can work out muscles to like learn to lift a weight a certain direction. There are things you can do to enhance the strength and dexterity of your mouth so that you can make those sounds or to even like stop having stutters and things like that. I do say um a lot. (laughs) The same sort of thing that Nick said, when I really think about it and I'm making sure that I am taking moments to pause and plan what I'm saying before I start and initiate my conversation, then I can skip them and not have them. But it takes way too much brain power 
to actually have a thoughtful conversation because the only thing I can think about is not saying, oh. Uh, or like. <laughs> or like is like. the one big in like Southern mine. California. Oh, man. I know. All of you know that because you hear me talk sometimes. But those are some things that, that can really help. And just pausing and thinking about it. Another thing that can really be helpful is listening to great speakers and speaking along with them. This goes into mm-hmm. your practice. Like, I know everything takes practice, so I don't want to just be like practice, but it's one of the great things to, to practice or find people that you admire their speaking, whether it's an audiobook reader or a speech. Maybe you love hearing the speeches of Barack Obama or something like that, or maybe you love like the Dresden books. I love all the cool mm-hmm. voices that the Spike, reader. what's his name? Spike? James Marshall. Oh, James, James Marshall, yes. He's always Spike in my heart. Like, all he that, that he does, like that can be a That'll great kill way. Him, a spike in the heart? No, well, yeah, that part. Only if it's a wooden spike. If it's a heart, spike of my love. Okay, sorry, this is a very corny episode. Sorry. <laughs> so that's a great way to do it too. Or even while you're watching TVs or movies, to like kind of mimic or echo or say the lines with them can be really, really helpful. And I think that can also kind of lead into like how to move sound around in your mouth because. And this literally will just take you like embarrassing the hell out of yourself in the car by yourself because mm-hmm. practicing weird sounds and voices is embarrassing even if you're by yourself. <laughs> but it works really well. Like if you start like... I think it depends on the person. I never feel no, strange about making <laughs> I don't until I look or, next or door like, and I'm like singing like full volume, just like belting out some sort of song. And I like look next to me and like at a red light and someone's just staring at me, like thinking I'm screaming at someone on the phone or something, <laughs> like having a the fight of my life. And I'm just like <laughs> rocking out. But playing with how sounds move around your mouth also can be really helpful when you're reading email because it can teach you how or let you experience and learn how your mouth like will both do things in the higher register. So if you want to talk like this, like, at the end of a sentence, you need to make sure that you go up so people know it's a, sen- a question. Things like that, like like playing with that. Although that's not universal. And if someone's not an English speaker, that's not the way that they're going to indicate that something's a question. Right. But I think as someone who's trying to learn, the way I read the question is non-native English speakers trying to learn English specifically. If you're not, then don't listen to that because that's not a thing. But that's something I work with my students on, especially because this year even I got six non-English speakers into my class in fourth grade. And I get a huge number of them just because of where my school is located in the LA area. All like, almost all, like very rarely like Spanish actually, but usually it's like Russian. I get like new Russian students every year, especially recently. I wonder why. (laughs) But like teaching them those things. And like, really, if you're a non-native English speaker and whatever your, your first language is, like thinking about, okay, this is what I do here. At the end of a sentence, if it's a question in English, we generally go up because it's a question and you have those sounds and really like thinking about those sounds and practicing them yourself by reading random texts, mm-hmm. articles in the newspaper or off the internet or wherever, just random things. Out, out loud is what I would say. Absolutely read read out them loud. out loud. If oh, yeah, you don't yeah. read them quiet, if you read them in your head, you're not going to learn how to say those words. Zero helpful. Yeah, that, exactly. Thank you for, for clarifying. Absolutely. In my head, I was like, very obvious saying it out loud. But even my my students in class, when they're practicing reading, the students who are newcomers or are still in the first levels of learning English, absolutely everything is read aloud. You can't, like they can understand and comprehend some things if they're reading in their head, but the whole point is getting them to practice and feel comfortable and confident 
speaking back in that language. That's much more important than their actual reading comprehension first, because you need you need to be able to talk more than you need to be able to read in a place. You can get by right. if you can ask for directions, if you can't read the street signs sometimes, but reading is also important. Don't don't take my... I'm not saying reading's not important, but... You heard it here first. Can reading you said is reading. Demental. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Anyway. So I, I, have, I, I have two other points that I kind of want to address. The first is, in terms of being bold and speaking loudly, what I have almost always done is I put on a persona that is similar to, but not me, like putting on the invisible mask, and now I am going to be this person who's loud and doesn't care what people think or expresses my views that way. I think of it as like doing a bit or doing a gag. So I am not a good singer, but for moments when I'm pretending to be a good singer, I can be a good singer. Yeah. And performing that way is a way of separating your ego from the performance self. And if people don't like it, they don't like this person. They don't like this performance. It's not that they don't like you. It's not that you screwed up or mispronounced a word. It's that this mask <laughs> that you have mispronounced a word or said something silly or whatever it is. That's what my character would do. They'd mispronounce the word. <laughs> the other thing is in terms of trying to find voices for your games, if you don't want to rely on accents, because a lot of people, accents don't work for them, they're not good at doing them, or it's easy to fall into the trap of doing something that is stereotypy or offensive yeah. that way. You can do certain things like slow down the cadence of your voice mm -hmm. or speed it up and talk very fast, even though you don't even know what you're, what, what you're going to say and just get it out there. You can do things like that. Mm -hmm. You can stress a syllable differently so that it just sounds a little bit off and it makes people think that there is a different sort of person who's giving that. The other thing is that I like to borrow a voice that is from an actor, or especially character actors are great for this. In the Oz game, I'm doing a really bad Peter Lore, but it's a lot of fun because it lets me get into this character and be sniveling, and everyone gets it, even though I'm not having a different accent for this character yeah. on there. <clears throat> and one last thing that I find is very helpful is this is also good for characterization of an NPC. Think of them like an animal. And if you think of them like an animal, think of how that animal would sound. Mm -hmm. So if you think of someone who's wise and slow and lumbering but powerful, and you're thinking of them as an elephant, well, how do you think an elephant would speak? But if they're playing a fox and they're very trying to make deals and trying to make things happen, you're going to go into a little bit more faster pace, faster cadence of what, of what you're going to say. Do things like that. Mm -hmm. And again, all of those are going to take practice. You're going to feel maybe silly. I know Kimmy often, I'm going to call you out here, often apologizes for her accents and mm -hmm. says like, oh, I can't do it or, you know, I sound bad or anything like that. Don't let that discourage you. Yeah. The thing is, even embrace that. My Russian accent is horrible. It's basically <laughs> Boris Badenov from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> but I can go into moose and, moose and Squirrel and... You know, I did a whole season of a game where I had a bad Russian accent, yeah. and, and that was what I just leaned into. I knew it was bad. Everyone else knew it was bad. <laughs> but that's part of who the character is now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and part of that's what it, kind of like what I was talking about earlier when you like play with where air moves around in your mouth and your head and your sinuses very differently. And this is going to get a little technical, but I feel like imparting this information is helpful. 
so a lot of times what I do, because I'm not always confident in accents, I do two. I do Irish and I do a bad Russian. Those are like, <laughs> my, and then I do Californian all the time. And no matter what I do, it sort of creeps in there. But um, I do Californian and something else. Those yeah, are my two. <laughs> Californian and vaguely European, but is changing like the tone of my voice. So I have characters who have a very high voice and it still can be talking, but it's a very high voice and it goes through my nose. So it's really, really high. So, and then like, if I have something like, well, they talk like this and this is very low and it's still Kimmy talking and I don't have an accent, but it sounds very different because it's a very low sound. And I have a weird face with like weird kissy lips every time I do this voice. It's just a thing. So like- The Godfather, yeah. I am the Godfather. That's an answer. It's, it's a thing. But, so that's a really good way to do that too. Just make sure you write down which one because I I've sort of, I wrote, didn't write it down for all the voices I'm doing for One Ring. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm, which, which voice is this? Okay. So that's a really easy way to do that if you don't want to mess with accents too. Always make sure though, when, when you make that mistake, you go, <clears throat> so sorry, I had something in my throat. Exactly, exactly. Is um, that my voice? Is that my, my voice? voice? But you can also like, once you like play around with it for a while, you can start doing, there's some great, I mean, it may not exist for very long, TikTok. There's a lot of voice actors and character actors on there who talk about exactly how to get different sounds of voice on there. I don't know her name, but there's one who's amazing. She sits in a booth and people say, hey, do Rogue from the X-Men cartoon. And she literally talks about where exactly to place your tongue in your mouth and how to hit the back of your, well, well, sugar, well, sugar, like, and she tells you exactly how to go do that. And listening to YouTube videos or TikToks or whatever about people telling you exactly how to do certain things really is helpful. Listen to, there's tons on accents and things like that, that like people who are professionals at this give you tips and tricks. I'm not a professional at this. I pretend to be a professional at this. There, there are a lot, as Kimmy was saying, there's a lot of YouTubes. There's a lot of actual scholastic studious studies. Yes. What's the word I'm looking for? Academic? Academic. Academic. <laughs> websites that, that'll talk about and use recordings of of people. I fell down this rabbit hole a little bit when I was going to do a game and I wanted to be a character from Arkansas. Yeah. And so I was learning how to speak with that specific accent and not just sort of a generic Southern one that that everyone adopts when they're making fun of Southern people. But you can find a lot of resources really just by typing in, in a search engine the accent you're looking for or speech coaching for X, Y, or Z on there. There's there's a ton of resources out there. Yeah, there are people who do this as a profession and they spend their time like learning different things online just like you are so that they can go to auditions for certain parts. And so yeah, going out there and watching these videos of people who do this for a living or teach people how to do it for a living because some people teach it instead of doing it and that's okay. <laughs> like can be incredibly helpful. If you've ever heard an interview of Patrick Stewart when he's not on stage, he's from Brooklyn. I yeah. mean, nobody knows this, but he's actually has uh, he's <laughs> actually from Brooklyn. Amazing. He just just really good at doing that English accent. Yeah. <laughs> Lies. I will say I have two quick notes. Yeah. Best way to get better at your elocution is to just talk more, get more practice. And then the broke way to do accents is to not do accents. It's just change the rate at which you speak mm-hmm. and change your posture. Yeah, that's that's um, Because if I say I don't drink wine, like it's obviously Dracula, but I, I'm not doing 
a Dracula accent. I don't I'm just changing. I don't drink wine. <laughs> if I just get more intense in how I speak, yeah. and I slow it down, and I kind of get that more kind of predatory vibe to it, it changes the character. Exactly. You don't yeah. actually have to convincingly sound like them. No. You go for the other things that you can emulate about them. So if you're playing a character who's like this badass giant Russian, you just stop, you talk slower and lower and you get briefer and you don't really answer things with anything more than, mm -hmm. or veiled threats mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like you don't really have to actually do accents if you don't want to. Mm -hmm. That's what I've started doing because all of my mm -hmm. accents turn into a very, very bad Brooklyn accent. <laughs> It's the one accent I kind of do. Yeah. I did try an Irish accent at one point, and I had a lot of fun. It was not any good, but I had a lot of fun. That was um, my go-to at fair. So that's the only reason that one's sort of passable for me. Plus, it's one that you, there's like... Another trick, and we've talked about this before, is have phrases that are like you can say pretty well in that accent mm -hmm. that'll like snap you back into it. I feel like we've like... I was partially to blame for this 100%, but like gone off the topic because I think a little bit it was like reading. Mm -hmm. Which is something, especially if you run adventure paths or something like that, you do end up doing a lot of reading. One thing, especially that I, and this might be what you meant, Nick, when you were saying you look ahead. One thing that I teach my, my low-level readers who are just learning how to read is you break sentences up into pieces. So you will read up into an and, and then you'll pause and take a breath at the and. At least this is how it is in English. I can't speak for other languages. And then you read to the next piece. So, and then you like to a punctuation. So a lot of people will know this, but if you're like, oh, benevolent mistress and prime ruler of the community of Happy Jackers, comma, you just pause. The court and the studio lackeys, comma. So it's like gives you little chunks so you can kind of be interesting to like, it's three words you have to be interesting on instead of the whole email. So breaking like thing passages that you're not familiar with that you haven't read before or prepared if you have it in chunks small chunks that way it's easier to read eloquently and it's also easier to read more or more interestingly because you can put a little bit of things okay dear benevolent mistress like that's all i have to worry about and prime ruler of the community of happy jackers and then if you'd gone into i mean you keep with cool titles but if you'd gone to i have a question that i've been wondering for years like then you'd like I have a question. You, you drop down. So like, like chunking it is a really useful tool when you are reading things that you're not familiar with as well. Back to like very functional, not so interesting, not so sure. fun, away from the cool like uh, accent stuff. Michael, I also want to have a list of who you consider to be the court and who you consider to be the studio lackeys, because <laughs> I, I think that is a point of discussion that we, could, we should all have and argue about potentially mm -hmm. in the Discord at happyjacks.org slash discord. Uh, the most um, important thing is the benevolent mistress pot. The one who's, other who's, who's piece that? that I completely forgot about until now is for a non-English speaker, do a little bit of research on how emphasis on a word in a sentence can change the meaning of the sentence. Mm -hmm. So present and like, present. Yeah, or no, 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 no not, not the meaning of a word, the meaning of a sentence. So it was like, I didn't know you lied to her which is, I didn't know you lied to her. I didn't know you lied to her. I didn't know you lied to her. Like, each of those can mean a very, very different thing. Yes. So learning how emphasis in English changes the kind of context of, of a sentence is 
extremely important. Yes. That will go a very, very long way towards understanding English speakers easier and emulating them when when you're speaking English. Yeah, 100%. There's so, so many things like that. And that that's true for all languages. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that I've learned to pick up on in students, even though I don't necessarily speak their language, the way they say things after having the same like kind of demographics from diff- certain parts of the world with certain languages for many, many years now. I'm not going to tell you how long because, yeah. But lady never whatever that's bullshit but anyway (laughs) like i can actually tell a lot of times like what they're talking about even if i have no idea what the words mean because of things in the pacing and the cadence and that's true of any language especially when they're trying to talk during class and you don't want your teacher to know and it's like i know you're talking about pokemon and not translating the math assignment like i asked you to (laughs) no this this is mathosaur yeah it's like he levels up to multiplosaur. Yeah, Pikachu is the same in every language, kids. Okay, there's no Pikachu in fractions. Okay, sorry. Like I said, it's been a week. Mailbag three. Mailbag three. Yes. All right. Hello, Kimmy and assorted crew of Scalawags and Near Dwells. I, Colonel Lethbridge Smith, have decided to write in. I am also improvising half of that sentence because it is not there, other than the proscript indicating that this first sentence, which ended with near-do-wells, was supposed to be read in a fun or silly accent, such as British Army officer such as myself, or some equivalent. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing in real quick regarding the recent conversation about safety tools. Over on Twitter, Sean McCoy shared some work-in-progress material from the upcoming Warden's Guide to Mothership 1E, where he talks about safety tools and frames them in the context of hospitality. The basic idea I read it being is we should absolutely strive to make an environment where people feel welcome, and if we mess up, we need to be willing to apologize and uh, apologize for our errors, learn from our mistakes, and strive to do better in the future. I also relate this to my general principle of, quote, don't be a jerk, unless necessary to prevent someone else from being a bigger jerk, end quote, such as the, quote, Trent Reznor rejects, end quote, from the horror story. That started the conversation. That's why I was laughing earlier, because yeah. I remember that I was the one making, Reading that. making the comparisons. Yes. Thank you, Kimmy, for keeping the podcast going and the countless hours of entertainment and discussions that have absolutely helped me become a better GM and player over the years. And I just realized that I've been listening to you folks for over a decade now. Oh, God. Wow. Where does the time go? Right. Thanks again. Sean from New Jersey, a.k.a. Skew13 on the Discord. P.S. Obligatory P.S. Woo-hoo. PPS, <laughs> PPPS, here's a link to the post slash thread on Twitter if you want to read it for yourself and or add the show notes. That is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash T-W-I-T-T-E-R. For the love of God. I'll drop it in the show notes later for everyone. It's fine. It's fine. Sorry. All right, fine. We'll make it accessible. Yes, we will. Thank you. Yes, that's a long time. I mean, I know it's not even the whole length of the podcast, which is the wild thing. I've been listening to it for a decade. Well, you missed out on four years. <laughs> Where were you, Sean? Where were you? Where we needed you at the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't even here at the beginning. No, you were yeah. listening. I was listening. I did listen from season one all the way up to season 20. And then I caught up. And by that time, I had gotten on the show and I stopped <laughs> listening. And I haven't listened to it since. At time of recording, I started listening 12 years ago. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's 
it's so funny because I'm like friends with, I actually started a discord for a bunch of the podcast and stream managers for a bunch of different networks and podcasts and all these things. And it's so like, wow, we're on year like number four next year. We've been doing this for a really long time. And I'm just like, and I become in that moment, like that gift. And he dries up and uh, blows away. Yeah. Well, I'm that gift <laughs> from the old lady from Titanic. It was been 84 years. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh God. Okay. Oh man, I'm having my 25th birthday tomorrow. I'm just like, oh. Okay. Oh, you sweet summer child. Exactly. <laughs> I'm melting. My face is melting. Yeah. The one thing I do want to bring up is that I'm actually very interested. I wish I had had time earlier to look up some of these ideas from Sean McCoy. Yeah. S-E-A-N. It's, a, uh, it's an interesting Twitter thread. I, I do recommend it. I will post it in the show notes. But I love the idea of thinking it of as hospitality because it makes it much more non-threatening because I feel like a lot of people see them as a hurdle or boundaries or especially if you haven't played at a table that has these things, it can seem like a lot of busy work that doesn't have a lot of payoff. And I think by presenting it to people who aren't already kind of steeped in the safety tools world and already kind of bought in on that concept, just like, hey, it's hospitality. If people come over to your house, offer them something to drink. You let them sit on your furniture. You don't make them stand at the doorway. Like basically things like that. I think if we normalize safety tools and we continue to, because they're getting more and more normalized. We continue to normalize them to the point where you just are like, hey, welcome in. Good to see you. Like, open the door for someone as a guest at your house. These things that you would... You don't have a bowl of peanuts if you know they're allergic to peanuts. Right, exactly. I mean, Mm -hmm. unless you don't like them and you want to punish them for our first email. (laughs) No, because then you kill them. And that that is not a punishment. That is just murder. Yeah, that's true. That's the ultimate punishment. As someone dating someone with a food allergy... It's not a prank. You, no, you just no, kill that them. Is true. No, yeah, that I'm, is true. I'm just kidding. Like, do not ever yeah. do that. That'd be terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I think if we, if it gets to the point, I would love it if the TTRPG community got to a point where if you sat down and there weren't safety tools, you were like a gas. Like, oh, mm-hmm. like what? That is so rude. This is the normal thing we have. Why would you not let me sit on your furniture if you invite me over to your home? Like Because you're my grandmother. Oh, <laughs> because I have very nice plastic covers and everything, and if you sit on them, they will wrinkle. No, she had white carpet. Oh. She had white carpet, white sofas, the whole nine yards. It was miserable as a child visiting there. Yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, that would be the terrible GM who never had safety tools. Not, not, not that your grandmother's terrible, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> she, she was. She was oh, terrible. Okay, okay. She's dead now, and I have no bad feelings and about she, it. Her white furniture are in a landfill, and everything's <laughs> fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would love that if, if it got normalized to that point where it just was seen as common courtesy and basic hospitality to have those things at your table. And I, it is headed that direction, and I hope that it gets to that point someday. And I think that's a fantastic way to frame it for people who aren't familiar with it. Like, this is basic hospitality. You have these things so that everyone feels like they can be safe at the table. But why should I... Something that, Go ahead. Oh, I think it's something that nece- hasn't necessarily translated to ubiquitous for in-person gaming. And I think, like, in my mind, it's just, I would want to have a digital version of it, even if I was there in person, just mm-hmm. so people could, like, especially with the way that the official Happy Jacks lines and veils sheet, plug, plug, go check it out, is set up. People can just go in and edit it and you don't know who's edited it to put things in. And that is a really great feature. I would feel really weird if I sat down at a physical table and someone had lines and veils on a printed off sheet. Yeah. And it'd be like, here's a pen. And I'd be like, well, this is deeply uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. So I, I feel like 
that hasn't necessarily caught up in meat space gaming. Mm-hmm. But as someone who I've stated in previous emails, I'm trying to get some in-person stuff going eventually. A lot of stuff keeps coming up to make that go much slower. Yeah. But that is definitely something that if I was going to sit down in public with strangers, I would want to have safety tools set up and be like, okay, sit down. Here's a QR code or an email. Like everybody, what's your email? I'll send it out to you or something like that. Or here's the link. I'll put it in a discord or whatever it is. Again, it's it's something that feels much more easy to put out there and make it accessible in digital gaming yeah. than physical. But I, gosh, that would be a nice world to live in. Yeah. Well, and I think that's really important because for me, it takes me time to fill them out. So like there's things I have to think about. And so sometimes when I'm a player filling out a Lines and Veils document, I'll fill it out like initially the first ones I know, like child harm, pets being mm-hmm. murdered, whatever. And then I have to like think about this the session a little bit more. And it may even be after session zero. I'm like, okay, I feel like this might be a thing that bothers me, even though it's not usually one of my lines or one of my veils. So then going mm-hmm. back and having it be digital just for practical purposes, mm-hmm. no one has to sit there while I'm writing things down and nobody has to like wait. And I'm able to update it in, on my time in between sessions, like when I have the moments. Like I don't have to stop everybody like, when we first get there to a real game or something. I think that's the other convenience other than the privacy of it, which is absolutely like the best part of like having those sheets, like Rose was saying. It also just is like, like you can update them without having to necessarily ask for the sheet back. And the and everybody can see them. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other great thing too, is yeah. like when I, you start a game, everyone can see the lines of mails. You don't see who filled it out, but everyone knows, okay, this is off the table right away. So you don't have to... There's no conversation about it. You see, this is lines. It's not a thing that's ever going to be in the game. Like Jason and tall ships in space. In space. He loves tall ships, except if they're in space. Mm -hmm. I always wonder a little bit about the lines and veils because I find myself not putting anything in there. Really? Because I don't have, I respect what Mm -hmm. people put in there. And I try, when I'm the game master, I try and make sure that I don't put those things in there. And I make mistakes sometimes. And I don't have any bad feelings about people who do, mm-hmm. but the things that would trigger me aren't, I guess they just don't come up. They're not there. So I almost always fill it out late in case anybody, like I let sort of everyone else have their fill about what they want to put in there. And then I just kind of, if there's anything like really ick, but I sort of depend more on let making that call at the table, being like, oh, hey, I got to move on from this or I'm sorry, can we fade to black or or whatever? But I almost never ahead of time think about uh, think about things like that. Yeah. And, that and, can be and I case. think that's fine. Like if it is a real edge case thing, like mm-hmm. the things that would would flip triggers for you are something that wouldn't make sense to have in a in the setting as far as you know, it's okay not to put them on on a sheet. It doesn't have to be a complete list of here's everything that I find upsetting. Mm -hmm. It's more like, let's cover the bases that we think are going to come up. And that's why you have more safety tools than just the lines and veils. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it makes me feel so much better. And honestly, like lines and veils weren't a big deal for me before I became a parent. And Mm -hmm. that changed things. Like it changed so much. Like I now, before I watch any TV show or movie, I'm like going to digthedogguy.com and like double checking Mm -hmm. because Mm-hmm. Like it makes it so I catch my breath. Like I have a incredibly physical, visceral reaction to specific things. And sometimes I don't know what those things are, which is like absolutely why 
even if it's not with children, sometimes like there'll be things that just like hit me, like sometimes super whimsical things. And I'm just like, <laughs> someday my daughter's going to be an adult and she won't be kid anymore. <laughs> and you're like, that they, they were at the market buying fish. Why? And it's just like, it's a thing. And she has a fish in her fish tank and she loves it. And eventually it will die. And then when she's older, and it, sometimes it's not logical in any way. <laughs> But there's things ahead of time. Like, I know I'm like, okay, I, I really can't handle like infants or toddlers or up to like, like teenagers I'm doing okay with sometimes now if there's t- some teenagers in danger because I have gotten past the point of my like postpartum phase now that my kids are almost three where I'm like, okay, they're old enough to maybe like help themselves a little bit. And from week to week, like, welcome to the US. Like, there's a whole bunch of fucking trauma happening for everybody Uh, in every way so like those things like will suddenly like feel incredibly real like right i went to see uh, the first movie i've seen in three years in a theater they're still masked and everything but i went to see john wick this last week Mm -hmm. and i almost had a panic attack in the first couple minutes of it because it's john wick there's certain spoilers there's gun fights in john wick (gasps) What? What? No, right. I thought it was about a candle maker. <laughs> yeah, no. A gentle candle maker. It's all about a dog. It's not a lie. But because, like, and I was not ready. Like, I I like action movies. It's great. But my body hadn't heard realistic gunshot sounds in years. Like, that surround sound, like that full movie theater mm. experience. Like, it sounded real. And after, like, all the things that have been happening in the United States and all the lockdown drills I've run as a teacher, like, I sat there and it's, John Wick doing a chase scene, shooting bad guys. I know it's a movie. It's all lit like an anime, like live action thing. And I'm like, and I'm like sitting there like almost in tears, like clutching my popcorn. And I'm just like, okay. And I had to like logic my way out of it because there's times where you don't know something that's never bothered you before will suddenly kick in. True. So mm-hmm. that's again, like what Rose was saying, like you have the things that you know are going to bother you. And that's what kind of the lines and veils are for. And the one thing I really like about the new Happy Jack sheet too is it like has like a gradient, a gradient of how mm-hmm. much something bothers you. Like this is a line. This is something I'm okay with being in storylines that don't involve my character. Like there's a whole thing. I should probably put it on the website actually. Like it's just posted in the Discord. That would be right good. Now. But it's actually I collected all the best lines and veils documents on the internet, and I made like the mighty like Megatron of lines and veils documents with little bits of all the others. I'm a fucking nerd, sorry. No, you absolutely should. <laughs> but yeah. But technically, cool. it would be Voltron. Voltron, Voltron is sorry. the one that combines. Isn't Megatron the one from the Power Megatron Rangers turns into a gun. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the old... Or a tank. The original one, yeah. Or sometimes an animal, depending on the show. But, but, but it's but, not important. But perhaps you meant Devastator, the one that's made out of all the construction, all the constructor cons. I don't cons. even know what that one is. No, that's not what I meant. But anyway. Yeah. So it's the one ring to rule them all. Thank you. Corn but yeah, but th- I think that also helps too. Because I sit there, I'm like, okay, I'm cool with this being in the story, but I don't want to deal with it directly, and so that helps a lot too. As a GM, it it gives me a little bit more nuance looking at that than this can't be in there at all or fade to black every time. Like having like, okay, this other person's interested in this, and this person is fine with it being in the story. They just don't want to be involved with it. Then I know kind of where to dr- to drive that, right? So, and yes, and we can provide the links when I actually put it on the internet. Sorry, James V. I appreciate you as being a it's mod. It's on the Discord somewhere. It's on the Discord. Go to the Discord. Happyjacks.org slash Discord. <laughs> and it's in the the game guide, like in the community yeah. section. It's our trick to make you join the Discord. Join the Discord. Do the thing. 
the other trick to join the Discord is tomorrow is uh, community game days. Yes. Woo! And there are open games. Go join them now. Yes. Do it. It's free. You don't uh, have to do anything. There's an under Hollow Hills game that needs players. And then if you don't join that, I'm running Chasing the Ace, yeah. which is going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. I'm very excited about that. That took off wildly. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't had plans that have been long established. <laughs> but may, may, maybe the next one. Soon. Yeah, we're going to start. They're going to be regular. So it's going to be a thing. And all right. I think we said the second Saturday of every month or something, or of every other month or something. Second mm-hmm. Saturday of every second month. Because and I, straight I liked, on till morning. Straight on till morning. I like that because it helped me remember it. The only reason I remembered it because it's got this silly tooth thing happening. All right. Thank you for hanging on through this wild <laughs> ride of an episode. I've literally only had one thing of wine. I'm, I'm not. It's wild. Okay. So thank you for joining us for season 31, episode 23 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month next month when we actually have one because we don't have one this month. But I started Our reading. amazing Indie Designer of the Month, sir, I, does not appear in this month. So <laughs> as, as you can see, I was like chunking the reading and I got through, oh, the first chunk of that and realized that the next part of that is not helpful. So I would, it steered off and that was what we call improv to those of you who are not professionals. Acting like, brilliant. Acting. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, bullshit. All right. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, who always hangs in there when we spout out a whole bunch of URLs and he's like frantically trying to copy them and paste them into the chat. We appreciate you. And to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Um, we are a no ad, no sponsorship channel. So we survive only on our Patreons because we want to be able to say whatever the hell we want and play whatever the hell we want without worrying about pleasing corporate people. Overlords. <laughs> Overlords. Shills, whatever. If you want to help the Happy Jacks community grow, smash that subscribe button and leave a comment or review uh, <laughs> wherever you're watching or listening. It really, really makes a big difference. Commenting on YouTube makes more people see the videos. Subscribing makes us show up in the rankings of different podcast apps. Writing a review also increases our visibility. So that helps more people listen to the show. And it staying helps. till the end of the show like you have. It absolutely. Well, maybe. I'm assuming. If you're hearing this. If you're hearing you. it, they thank are. Thank you for they your did. patience. We love you. Yeah. And it helps more people join our community. It helps more people join the Discord. It helps us have more people participate in our game days. More people to run games for you, to plan games for you. Like we are, we are a community. And that is helped by you getting the word out by smashing the subscribe button. I'm really into voices now because we've been talking about it so much. Sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll come down. My name is Kimmy. I'm Nick. And I'm Rose. (laughs) All right. It's been a wild ride. Tonight, we're going to leave you the song called A Thousand Lives, which was written by Stu Venable, who is totally fine. Completely fine. Completely alive. Um, Very alive man, Stu Venable. Totally. Uh, He is actually performing with his band at the Renaissance Fair. But this is the version by a band called the Mary Sue's, which is me and two of my best friends. And this is actually the full version of our intro song. So I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. I've lived a thousand lives.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. 